You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to Intercepted, presented by Acme Packing Company. I'm Justice Mosqueda. I'm joined here by special guest Brandon Lee Gowden. Say what's up to people, Brandon. How's it going, people? Many gobbles to you all on this. Uh, we're recording on the day before Thanksgiving. Yeah, it'll come out on Thanksgiving. So hopefully when people are driving around and stuff like that. Well, what's your ideal Thanksgiving plate uh looking like? It's tough, Justice, because I'm I'm a like anti Thanksgiving person, which is maybe a little Why? too aggressively stated. I know. Well, I just I think it gets a little too boring each year. Um, so I like to change it up. I like a variety. Um, but if I'm going traditional, you know, I got to go classic like turkey. I'm going to have the stuffing. I'm going to have the green beans. I'm going to have the mashed potatoes. Uh, am I going to be thrilled about it? No, but it's good. It's fine. You know what? Uh, KP, who also is on the the SP Nation NFL show, just told us he's doing ribs giving. I support you it. see that? Yeah, I fully support it. I I don't think there's a situation where I wouldn't want to have ribs. So exactly. it's it's hard for me to go against it. Absolutely. I, I feel like when you do ribs right, it's hard to beat. You know what yeah. I mean? Like if they're if if the very best ribs, I don't know if you can top that. Are you are you team white meat or dark meat? I'm I like to go firm dark meat. Oh, see, I know a lot of people are because uh, everyone likes to say, oh, you know, the white meat's too dry and everything. But I do like the bite of like, you know, like like a chicken breast or a turkey breast or just like the 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 actual mouthfeel, like being actually to take like a full on bite as opposed to like, I don't like nibbling as much on a, you know, a wing, but uh, yeah. hard to go wrong either way. So there's a football game on Sunday night, I've been told. It's the Philadelphia Eagles against the Green Bay Packers, two teams that are trending in completely different directions. The Packers were a team that coming into the season, they were the favorites to win their division. I think they were the... I believe they were the heaviest favorites in the NFC to win their division coming into it. Um, obviously, that is not going to happen. I think on 538, they have like a 2% chance that the Vikings mm. choke. And I, I think that also involves other, like, maybe that's not even the Packers winning the NFC North. Like, the, you know, um, Justin Fields just got hurt. So who, who right. knows how that impacts those odds and stuff like that. And then the Philadelphia Eagles, that it really felt like they were going to be second behind the Dallas Cowboys up until, you know, injuries started to take over for Dallas and you see, you know, Tyron Smith go down and stuff like that. And obviously, you know, Dak ended up missing some time. Now the Philadelphia Eagles are in the driver's seat in the NFC in a season that I don't think anyone expected them coming into this to kind of pull away as, you know, the, the lead at least for right now as the one seed. Um, how does that feel? <laughs> Not bad. Your season is going way different than mine. Uh, yeah, I mean, they're nine and one with the two game lead effectively because they have the tiebreaker over right. the fraud Vikings. Uh, I like that you, you know, uh, allowed me to talk about how much of the fraud, uh, frauds the Vikings are in our, our Q and A exchange for uh, acne packing company, including green nation. Um, yeah, I mean, it's weird because even the players like Jason Kelsey, the Eagles starting center, uh, acknowledged before this season that when people expect the Eagles to be good, historically, they're they're bad. They underachieve expectations. And when people expect them to be bad, they're good. Uh, look at last year as an example. They certainly yeah. overachieved. This was a year where a lot of people were expecting them to be good because they added A.J. Brown. They added James Bradbury. They had uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson right before the season. You know, they, they make all these moves. They draft Jordan Davis. They get to Kobe Dean on, on day three. Uh, so everyone's like, wow, they're going to do big things. And, you know, sure enough, uh, they have lived up to the hype. Uh, after they beat the Vikings in week two, I wrote an article for BGN that was like, let's not overreact, but the Eagles are totally going to start out 10 and 0. And why I said 10 and 0 and not further was because they were playing the Packers. And I'm like, that game, that game could, could be tough. Uh, and obviously at the time, the Packers had lost the Vikings in week one, but still, you know, I thought they were still going to be a really good team. So, uh, so it's fun is the short answer. And they just keep adding guys. 
right? I mean, yeah. it seems like every week it's another body, right? I mean, it was Robert Quinn uh, near the trade deadline and Dominican Sue most recently. I, I just like, it's so hard for me to fathom this because I, and I guess some of it is the Eagles had the hard reset, right? You had a hard reset and to kind of shed away of, you know, bad deals or whatever it may be, and just kind of start anew, have some higher draft positions and things like that. The Packers just have never really been in that position in basically my entire lifetime. So like to see a team like wheeling a deal and trying to maximize their window it's so different from what Green Bay's done because they've always like, you know, money has always been pushed forward or whatever. Like they're always paying for past results because they've never had that kind of like slash and burn restart. Yeah. And they've also just had a commitment to their quarterbacks for, for so long, for better or worse, um, much often for better, but um, you know, the Eagles didn't exactly the same way when they took a quarterback and obviously the you know, Packers drafted Jordan Love, but uh, the Eagles sure taking, <laughs> that that did happen. Uh, Jalen Hurts in a much more like uh, sensitive time, I guess it was, you could say for Carson Wentz coming off of this end of 2019 run where I was like, okay, he, he answered all the doubts about him. He silenced all the, all the haters <laughs> and then they go draft him. Um you know, it was, it was really interesting because the Eagles, you know, they, they win the Super Bowl in 2017. No one expected them to be that good that year. Mm-hmm. Um, they certainly were, I think, ahead of schedule in the Doug Peterson you know, era, uh, winning it in his second season. A lot of credit for Howie Roseman, rightfully so. He pushed a lot of the right buttons for them to get to that point. After the Super Bowl, I thought Howie Roseman made a lot of bad moves and was a big reason why they deteriorated from a Super Bowl team to what they were in 2020 as one of the worst teams in the league. And the spin in the cell was that like, okay, this had to happen. This is like a natural, um, you know, process that they were so good, but they pushed their chips in so much that naturally they were going to take a step back in years later. And I reject that because he made a lot of bad moves that he did not have to make. He made a lot of unforced errors. I'm not saying it's realistic. They could, you know, they win the Super Bowl every season, but they should have done a bit better than they did. And I know they got, you know, one game away from the championship game in 2018. Um, but still, like, there were some, you know, lucky things in there, like the double doink and whatnot. Um, so, and they didn't. They ultimately didn't. So, uh, you know, it was it was a weird time because I think there was a lot of reason to have doubt about Harry Roseman. But then he comes out at a time where he probably should have been fired in terms of just taking the team down from where they were. But for whatever reason, Harry Roseman's at his best when everyone doubts him. And when he kind of has the the uh, ability and the tools and everything to kind of like start from scratch and rebuild the team as opposed to take a team that's really good and keep maintaining that, that does not seem to be his strength, or at least it wasn't after the Super Bowl. Uh, but he has been good at like building teams up, and and that's what he's done. You know, the Eagles were in a, a spot heading into 2021 where no one felt good about them, really, the quarterback or the head coach or the roster, the talent in the roster. Um, but slowly but surely he added a lot of pieces here and now they are what they are. Yeah. It's, it's so weird to, because, so I've worked in the XFL, right. And I worked in their front office and I got to know some front office people who had been in the league or are still in the league now and stuff like that. And the way they talk about Howie Roseman is like, dude is crazy smart. Right. But he just has a thousand lives. He has a thousand lives like that. There's so many times that he's lost power in Philadelphia and then regained power later. Like think of uh, even like the Chip Kelly era and stuff like that. So, so it's, it's weird to see him back on top again. Cause I don't think there's a clear narrative of like, what does this even mean? Like, what does it mean that he's back on top? Is it just like persevere, fight, fight to, you know, live to fight another day. And then hopefully you can get things back right on track. Cause I don't think there's like a through line between like, you know, 2016 ish through, through now, or even before then when, you know, Chip Kelly was the head coach and stuff. Well, even when he's been on top, which, you know, there's, there's talk and it's kind of apparent too, that like he does have more power, I think than he's mm-hmm. ever really had. Um, he's, he's had like, he's built plausible deniability for himself where specifically let's look at like Jalen Rager when the Eagles take him. Right. Well, that wasn't, that wasn't a Howie Roseman pick. 
is is the is how it's uh, reported out there. The coaching staff really wanted Jalen Rager. Well, it's like okay, that's fine. The coaching staff can want Jalen Rager. They're not the ones making the pick. Like Howard Roseman yeah. is ultimately the one with the final say. And I think part of that was that. Uh, and there's a big article on the Athletic about this. Um, I think following the 2021 season, uh, basically about how. Uh, I think there was way too much collaboration without knowing what that word means, where it kind of felt like we pick and choose, we take turns. I don't think that's how collaboration should work, uh, where you're, you know, having multiple people make multiple decisions. That to me is not collaboration. Uh, I think you need that's one how person. how you get Mike Mayock's run in, in with the Raiders, where Tom <laughs> right. Cable's picking offensive linemen and yep. then Gruden's picking first round picks. And all he's doing is watching the damn playoff game. So it's a banner right. Clemson guy every time. Yeah. That's, that's not collaboration. No. That's just like you can pass the buck when someone messes up. The collaboration to me should be like, okay, all these people are giving Howie that information, and then Howie has to make the decision, and he has to own the decision. Yeah. As far as – so we joked uh, earlier about the Minnesota Vikings being fraud. I, I kind of believe – I mean, again, they're, what, 8-2 <laughs> and two right now, and they have a negative point differential. You look yep. at all the stats. I do – the uh, NEA value on Twitter, which if you don't know what that is, NEA is adjusted net yards per attempt. So that's think of it yards per attempt. You include sacks, you give a 20 yard bonus for touchdowns and a 25 yard penalty for interceptions. And then the value is just like, is this above or below average? So 200 yards plus 200 yards would be, you know, you're playing 200 yards above average minus 200 would be you're playing 200 yards below when you when you look at the Vikings from that perspective, it's crazy the teams mm. that they're lumped up with. They rank twenty seventh in yeah. in uh, NEA value over the season. That's offense and defensive <laughs> side of the ball. And the teams around them, it's like the Raiders, the Bears, the Rams, the Colts. These aren't good football teams, but no. they keep winning football games. So so what teams in the NFC? I'm going to assume mm-hmm. the Packers aren't on there anymore. After you said that, you know, in, you know, early in the season, you were worried about the Packers. What teams in the NFC are you worried about actually being able to topple this Eagles team that is looks like it's all in and is willing to do anything to kind of be all in on this season? Yeah, I mean, the, the Cowboys and the 49ers are – It's it really – they're kind of neck and neck, I would say. I mean, I might even put the 49ers higher. I know they don't have the, the better record. But, like, they've had success in the playoffs. Like, they've been to the championship game the last two out of the, or two out of the last three years. What's Mike McCarthy done in the playoffs recently? <laughs> this Not- is so, – so we had this joke. It was actually the gauntlet uh, this week yes. on the SB Nation NFL show. So – the gauntlet is when uh, KP and I, Kyle Posey, who's a 49ers fan, uh, we mentioned him already. He, he writes for Niners Nation. Uh, we 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 basically get given two two things, whatever it may be, and we have to pick between uh, one or the other. What we picked was, you know, when teams are at their best, which one is going to win? And we came down to Niners Cowboys, and mm. you know, KP does the, you know, it's hard to pick against the Niners. Of course, for you, it's hard to pick against the Niners. I pick I picked the Cowboys um because of the quarterback situation. Mm-hmm. And we talked about the same thing. He said the same thing. McCarthy, he doesn't win football games. And I was like, we're talking about Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan isn't known as like Mr. Clutch by any means sure. either. So I don't know. It, it's interesting too, because we're talking about these teams, right? Kyle Shanahan was what the most sought after offensive coordinator hire that I can remember. I yeah. mean, I don't know if there's anyone who was more sought after than him um, in terms of just the hype that year that he was in Atlanta. And then the Cowboys, I mean, obviously you have Mike McCarthy already has a Super Bowl ring. The Eagles aren't that. The Eagles got turned down by, what was it, Doug Marone? Or not Doug Marone. Um, what's his name? Who's Who's got ben the Giants McAdoo. job? No, who's got the Giants job now? The oh. I'm spacing on his uh, name. Kafka? You're talking about? Not Dayball. head coach. Dayball. Oh, yeah. Wasn't okay. Dayball? Dayball? After um, the Chargers job got filled, it was the Eagles job and the Texas job that was open. And he was basically like, eh, I'll, I'll just wait for next cycle. Like, that's what was thought of that Eagles job. And maybe some of it has to do with, you know, Howie Roseman was going to have power. So maybe that wasn't super attractive to coaches who wanted to pick their own players or whatever. But that's kind of where the Eagles started, which was totally different than some of these other franchises that we're talking about. I mean, even – the Chiefs, right? Andy Reid had been, you know, had a ton of success in the league all over. The Buffalo Bills, McDermott was a guy who was highly respected. 
like crazy. And then you have Sirianni who just like, I feel like until he got that head coach job had kind of been an unknown. And I feel like I'm still just learning who he is now. Like I see him yelling at the crowd and stuff. I'm hearing his voice in pressers and I'm like, Oh, okay. This is the guy who coaches the Eagles. Yeah. It's really interesting to your, to that point. You just said like the head coach in Philly really since chip Kelly was here. Like when chip was here, like he was the face of the Eagles chip, not any players chip of the organization. And he made that be known. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. And that's not by an accident. Yeah. But since then, the head coach is almost like chopped liver sometimes. <laughs> like it's like, oh yeah, there's a coach there too. Like this whole offseason, no one's talking about Nick Sirianni. Everyone's like, is Jalen Hurts the guy? Can Jonathan Gannon actually go up against a quarterback who isn't terrible and not allow them to complete eighty percent of the passes against them? Like he did five times last year. <laughs> like those are the biggest question marks heading into the season. No one was really questioning Sirianni, and I don't really think that was a whole lot. Like as much as oh, we just have unequivocal faith in him. As much as it just his role doesn't seem as important as Hertz and Gannon and really Howie too, before uh, the off season started. So, uh, you know, I, I think part of that is very much by design. Uh, like the, the way the power is uh, sits here, like Howie has a lot of power, uh, maybe more, probably more than a lot of GM types might have, uh, especially as it might relate to different coaching decisions. So uh, that's definitely a factor. Um I think Jeffrey Lurie was kind of burned by Chip. Not kind of. He was burned by the Chip experience. And he felt like, as an owner, he lost control of his team. He felt like he didn't control the Eagles anymore. And I think since then, he has not wanted that to happen. So he's bringing in these coaches who really don't pose that kind of threat to him. And to his credit, I mean, it's been working out for the most part. More success than not. Um, Obviously, resulted in one title. So I can't fault him for it. Um, but it's definitely a unique setup compared to other teams in the league. It's just like the coaching, the head coach, I, I think, doesn't matter much this year. I will say, with that said, I think Sirianni does bring some positives to the table. Um, but I guess you could say that about Green Bay, too, in some ways, in terms of like the head coach not being like the end-all, be-all. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I have one qu- quick question about Jonathan Gannon. So he was a guy who last cycle was interviewing for head coaching jobs. And I believe he was a first-year defensive coordinator, right? So he yeah. he didn't have a ton of success. You look at the stats for, for the Eagles, you know, passing game or whatever on the defensive side, which is really kind of like what rules football is the passing game. Um, wasn't super successful. And I think some of that did have to do with the safeties, right? Like being able to get uh, – Chauncey Gardner and like Johnson and all those guys. Mm-hmm. And I, I think makes a difference, but he was playing like the most bland version of football that you could see at this level in 2021 last year. Right. But he was getting head cut. Like what's, what's the, I mean, now the defense is playing great, right? Like no, no one would question if he's getting interviews now, but what was the allure of him last year? It's mm. a great question. Justice. I, I mean, everyone, <laughs> the, the excuse you would get, I call it an excuse that you would see out there is like, well, it's not head coach isn't just about being, you know, a good like offensive or defensive mind. It's about being a leader of men and everything. Like, okay, True, but great. he's like 40. Well, yes. He and also, also doesn't have experience doing that, does he? And also, like, <laughs> can we look at D'Amico Ryan's then? Because he was a pretty good leader yeah. of men. His, his nickname in Houston was literally captain. Uh, and he was a captain for them. And he was also a captain in Philly. And by the way, his defense was better than Jonathan Gannon. So, I mean, yeah. why would you not be hiring That's, D'Amico Ryan? I just I just never understand some of these things. And, you know, there there is that point. Like, some guys are just play callers, right, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And I, I think we're seeing that more on the offensive side. And I think NFL teams are probably going to start slowly shying away from just dra- just promoting, you know, an offensive play caller to head coach. Mm-hmm. Um but he was a first-time defensive coordinator who's, like, 40 years old. Like, how does that scream leader of men either? Like, that – if 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 there were more evidence there, I would have I would have believed it. Obviously, now, you know, everyone must think the world of him. I'd be surprised if he wasn't getting, you know, interviews again this season. I mean, we'll see. We'll see how that, you know, a deep playoff run might impact kind of his job perspectives and stuff like that. But it was just interesting to see last year. I was like, Jonathan Gannon. Really, huh? Because he was like a finalist for the Houston job when they ended yeah. up. They were like, we, we actually want to hire Josh McCown. <laughs> and Josh McCown was like, that's probably a bad idea. And then they ended up going with Lovey Smith because Lovey mm-hmm. Smith was giving him intel on all these hires. It's like, 
what the hell just happened? What just yeah. happened? Uh, two two final things on Ganon for me uh, is one is like that stat I mentioned about how they had allowed five passers to go over 80% completion. Yeah. Uh, I forget. I think if I'm not, if I'm remembering this correctly, it was like from 1950 until last year, the Eagles have allowed that five times combined in those 70 years or whatever combined. Nice. And he did it in like whatever, how many games last season. So like historically embarrassing defensive performance and kind of just goes like with the aesthetic of what he wants to do, which is if I could sum it up in one word is patience, which makes yeah. some sense in that, like, you know, in theory, if you make teams go on these long drives, they're going to make a mistake at some point. They're going to have a holding penalty or right. there's a TFL in there or a sack in there and it knocks them off schedule. And then you can get a, a stop and you're going to not allow them to have the big play at any point. But in practice, it doesn't always work out that way, obviously. And there's some, you know, I think some mentality to that. And then the other thing uh, with Gannon is that, like, the defense is better, and he absolutely gets some level of credit for that. But I'm not convinced that, like, the defensive improvement might have more to do with Howie Roseman than it does yeah. with Jonathan Gannon. Well, they have a lot of good players. It's nice to have the Again, players. Look who they, yes, look who they added. They added James Bradbury, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. Kaiser White was a really nice pickup at linebacker. They just added Ndamukong Stu and Linval Joseph. In the season, they drafted Jordan Davis. Like they, they added a lot of talent. They traded for them. Robert Quinn. Yeah, Rod traded all, for Robert Quinn. Yeah, all that stuff. Um, okay, one one last thing, Jalen Hurts. Mm-hmm. So this this is this is what RJ Ochoa posed to me oh, when man. I had him on the show before the Cowboys game, and he thought the Cowboys were going to win. I thought the Cowboys were going to win. His whole thing was why aren't the Cowboys better than the Eagles? And obviously you had to throw the Cooper rush game out. Right. I understand that his point was Eagles, Cowboys, whose quarterback are you taking? We both said Dak. And then he said the defenses. And at the time I picked Dallas. I think now I probably would pick Philadelphia, Mm -hmm. but how much does Jalen hurts worry you once we get into the playoff run and how can, how, how sure are you? that he is now a new guy. Cause the one thing that just like burns in the back of my mind is that Tampa, that Tampa Eagles playoff game yeah. last year where it was just, I mean, it was over after like a quarter, wasn't it? It was like 21 zero or something like yeah. really early. Um, are we sure Jalen hurts is a different guy now? Are we sure he's not going to get the doors blown off of him when he faces, you know, a good defense and then a good opposing quarterback on the other side of the ball? I'm in no way a homer about this. I have been, I got so much criticism in the offseason for like not believing in Jalen Hurts. So I want to, I want to set that perspective up. Uh, I feel like he's proved me wrong in a lot of ways. I mean, uh, I was downplaying how he's young. Like he turned 24 in August, mm-hmm. which is, I believe, younger than Kenny Pickett, by the way, um, which is a whole different conversation. But, uh, yeah. So I, I downplayed that just because he, he played so much in college. Like he wasn't this raw prospect. Everyone wanted to compare him to Josh Allen. Like, oh, Jalen Hurts can take this Josh Allen leap. And I thought that was so dumb because, first of all, they're just not similar like, human beings, like their yeah. physique and everything. Not to say Jalen Hurts isn't athletic, but Josh Allen's 6'5", you know, whatever. He's a, he's a freak. Um, you, you don't get too many human beings who are like that. Uh, just the raw tools. So I thought that didn't make a ton of sense. And also Josh Allen didn't like, play a ton and he didn't play a ton at Wyoming where yeah. Jalen Hurts was playing at Oklahoma and Alabama under some of the, the best coaches ever in college football history. Uh, and certainly at least now. So uh, I kind of downplayed his ability to improve in a meaningful way, but he's come out and week two against the Vikings. I didn't think that was in him. Some of the, the throws he was making and he's kept that up. Uh, I believe he is tied with, if I'm not mistaken, Aaron Rodgers for the league lead this season in on target uh, percentage throws, according to pro football reference. So his accuracy is certainly a lot better. Uh, you've seen what you can do with his legs. I think he uses them an appropriate amount, not just as a crutch, but when he needs to and when he can get yards. Certainly had a big drive against the Colts. And and that's very relevant as well. He is a guy that I trust in these like crucial moments. With Carson Wentz, by contrast, you're just waiting for the mistake to happen. You're waiting for him to do something wrong. He's not going to come through in a big moment. Duck under a defensive tackle for no reason. Duck under a defensive tackle. Um, Going to fumble. He is like almost a fumble right. per game in his career. Not quite, but like almost... 
Jalen Hurts takes care of the ball. I think that's very real. We've seen that over the course of his career. So I believe in Hurts. If there is one thing, to be fair, that like I still think we need to see. I know everyone out there might not be the biggest fan of quarterback wins, but like my question has been was in entering this season, who is the best quarterback that the Eagles have gone up against in a game where Jalen Hurts has started and then they beat that team. And the answer entering the season is probably Matt Ryan or Teddy Bridgewater. And I can run off the names of the quarterbacks the Eagles have played this year. It's Jared Goff, Kirk Cousins, Carson Wentz, Trevor Lawrence, Kyler Murray, Cooper Rush, Kenny Pickett, Davis Mills, Taylor Heineke, who they lost to, and Matt Ryan. So he kind of really hasn't gone up against like that elite quarterback on the other side. Kyler, who's might get his coach fired this year. Right. (laughs) Yeah, who's the best from that list? Kirk. I think it has to be Kyler or Kirk. Yeah. One of those two. Yeah. I think I think it's Kyler, but I think Kyler's been or just the Cardinals in general have been playing terribly this year. Yep. Yeah, no, that's an interesting point because yeah, I'd take Rogers with a you know, alleged broken thumb that he won't clarify if it's actually broken or not uh, <laughs> over those guys, probably. So, no, that's a good point. I didn't, I didn't realize that strength of schedule for, yeah. you know, the quarterbacks had been so low. So do you think RJ has a point then? I mean, I'm never going to say RJ is right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, I mean, and also, by the way, I have this on deck. He is now, because they the Vikings won, he's now 29 and 28 against teams not in the NFC East. And that is extremely relevant because the Giants have literally been the worst team in the NFL since 2017 prior to this year. And obviously Washington is a constant disaster each and every season right. uh, with Snyder as their owner. So like, you know, I'm not, I've never been the biggest deck guy. Obviously people are going to be higher on him than me. And I'm, you know, <laughs> inclined not to like him as the start, starting quarterback for the Cowboys. Um but like, I'm not like shaking in my boots, Dak, especially this year. I don't think he's been amazing. You know, he's he's certainly yeah. uh, his his body of work is better than Jalen Hurts is absolutely. But I think this year, I think the gap's close, and I think you can put Hurts above him. I mean, Hurts has been in the MVP conversation. I'm not saying he is that guy, yeah. but like he's been in that pretty much the whole year. Yeah, I think Dak before his injury last year was better than what he's doing this year for whatever yeah. that's worth. MVP as far as that goes. Who who would if you had to put in a vote today? Who would you have? Because I have a guy in mind. His name is Patrick Mahomes. He plays quarterback yeah, it's in Kansas City. <laughs> yeah, it's Mahomes. I mean, Hertz had the wins thing going for him. Like the, the Eagles hadn't right. lost, so it's kind of hard to be like <laughs> the guy who hasn't lost is not the MVP in some ways. Right. Um, but yeah, I definitely think that. Uh, I mean, Hertz is still in the picture here. You know, if he lights mm-hmm. it up down the stretch, he could absolutely overtake it. But if yeah, if I'm voting today, I'm going to go with Mahomes. And two is hanging around too. Oh, and I just looking good. Just can't believe it. I literally cannot believe it. I can't believe Definitely. they're getting that much out of Tua. It feels like uh, you 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 saw this live, so you saw yeah. first year Chip Kelly, Nick Foles, kind of being the guy. It felt like they were a year ahead of everyone else, mm-hmm. and then all that Chip Kelly stuff. Because I I think that's part of the thing that people don't realize with Chip. I'm a Oregon fan, so I <laughs> like I, I I know Chip Kelly in and out, right? So the thing that they don't really realize about Chip is like Chip was one of the most influential coaches in the modern NFL. The problem was all his little edges got assimilated into the league almost immediately. He had one year where he's a year ahead of everyone. And then mm-hmm. everyone starts running mesh the same way that he does. Everyone starts running, you know, the, these fastball tempo plays just like he does. And then they figure out, Oh, when you're in this formation, you run these three plays. All we have to do is cover those three plays. It's not really a problem to go against these fastballs if that's all you're going to end up doing, right? That's what it feels like with the Miami Dolphins right now. If you look at the stats, Tua is throwing intermediate over the middle at it like twice the rate of anyone else in the league. And I understand he has two wide receiver ones for, you know, 90% of the league or whatever it might be, you know, Waddle and Tyreek Hill. Mm-hmm. But still, to get that production out of him, if it feels like they're spamming plays that other teams aren't aware that they can use yet. But it feels like that's probably going to turn over next year. I was never really the biggest to a guy, like at any point ever, just yeah. didn't really see it. Um, but then I got to see the Eagles practice against the Dolphins in Miami this summer, and I was like, 
man, Tua looks actually pretty good because the Eagles defense had been pretty looking pretty good throughout training camp. And Tua carved them up. And having Tyreek Hill certainly helped. And Waddle wasn't even practicing that day, by the way. So it was yeah. really just Tyreek. But um, yeah. And and the Dolphins as a whole, honestly. Uh, the Eagles famously have never lost a joint training camp practice under Nick Sirianni uh, prior to that one. And I was that was eye-opening because I was like, wow, uh, I've not seen the Eagles practice against a team and just looks super inferior. Um, but yeah, that's so that kind of like maybe it's an overreaction to just one practice, but that made me believe before the season. I'm like, maybe I was wrong about the Dolphins. I think they might actually kind of be pretty good. And sure enough, they haven't lost. When Sometimes it played. just needs that one play. I, I wasn't yeah. a huge Mahomes guy coming out just because it just didn't feel like it was going to translate, man. Like that level of magic. And he was a lot more, he, it was like, he was just trying stuff in college. Mm-hmm. Really? Like he was, You'd watch him against like West Virginia. He'd throw four picks, right? Yeah. He never does that in the NFL. Um, and I just remember that Tyreek Hill throw against Atlanta in the preseason. And I'm like, holy crap, he's going to do it. Like yeah. it, it took like that one play to be like, I don't think anyone, I don't think you can stop that. Yeah. Right. Like a guy's running a four, two, and you have a guy who could throw 80 yards. Like you can't stop that consistently. There's no way. Um, Let's take it to break, and when we come back, uh, we'll talk about some of these matchups. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we're back. All right. So first of all, I just kind of want to go over like what the injury situation for Green Bay looks like. It doesn't sound like Romeo Dobbs is going to end up um, Mm. playing in this game. He's still not practicing yet. Devondre Campbell isn't practicing. So that's an inside linebacker that's going to be out. That's really the only big injuries on Green Bay side. Devondre Campbell going out is relevant because Quay Walker is going to have to be the green dot. Um, Again, you know, Campbell's, been out for a couple of weeks. Uh, so Koi is going to come in, be the green die as a rookie. And then Chris Barnes is probably going to have to be the second starting inside linebacker. That hurts Green Bay specifically because they've already had such a tough time stopping the run this year. And, you know, they play, they've been doing it less, but they do play split high safety coverage. Um, you know, try to stop the pass first and then just rally to the ball in the run game. The problem is their defensive ends aren't any good. Like you have Dean Lowry and Jerron Reed out there. Now now with Rashawn Gary out, you're going to have a rookie fifth-round pick, Kingsley and Igbari, who I wrote a post up on the site um, if you guys want to check it out about how he's kind of getting better every week. But at the end of the day, he is like a 250-pounder. Are they just – they're just going to pound us, aren't they? The Eagles are just going <laughs> to pound us. I mean, that offensive line, for my money, that's the best offensive line in the league. I know, I know some people maybe – if the Lions were a little healthier, maybe you take the Lions, but I think those are the only two teams um, that are in that conversation. Uh, I'm trying to think back to when the Eagles played the Packers in 2019. It was like week four or something. The Eagles won that game. It was the one where uh, Packers had it in the red zone at the very end, didn't get it in. Craig James, the deflection for the Nigel Bradham interception. Uh, that was a crazy game. The Packers got out to that lead. And then Wentz didn't even throw the ball too much. It was just like pounding the rock, pounding the rock. Yeah. Jordan Howard, uh, Miles Sanders, I believe, was still – yeah, he was, was – Yeah, I remember the Jordan Howard game. I, I yes. had blocked that out until now. <laughs> yeah, just I mean, inside zone ripping us. I mean, the Howard's not here anymore, and they right. just don't really have that power back. But some of these offensive linemen, I mean, like Lane Johnson was there. Jason Kelsey was there. Uh, Isaac Sumalo, I believe, I don't know, he gets hurt. So maybe he wasn't there, but he might have been there. Um, so, so some of these players, uh, same players were there at that time. 
and they're still really good. And obviously Jordan Mailata is a pretty good starting left tackle as well. They add him in, Landon Dickerson. Um, so yeah, it's a good group of blockers up front. Miles Sanders is kind of a frustrating running back in that I think he's a case study in opportunity costs. Like his, his yards per carry numbers look good, but then you watch where, okay, he just picked up five yards there, but he probably could have had like a 20 yard run if his vision had been a little bit better. So that can be frustrating sometimes. And certainly you look at, you know, like stats like uh, yards, rushing yards over expected, and he's not the best in that category. So that's not mm-hmm. just anecdotal. So that can be frustrating sometimes. Um, uh, but it's not really just about the backs. Like it's about the run game as a whole, the offensive line, Jeff Stoutland, the Eagles offensive line coach slash run game uh, coordinator. I think he does a really good job of scheming things up in the run game. Eagles really haven't had a game, but they've been like relying on the run super heavily lately, um, but they have been able to do it. And they've been able to do it against really good run defenses too. Like the Saints had the number one run defense last year, crushed them. The Jags earlier this year, I think had like the number one or number two run defense and it's still pretty good. And the Eagles like doubled what the Jags allow. Um, so they certainly have the ability to do that. Um, I definitely think they, they will be looking to do that uh, in this game. It'll be interesting to see what kind of green base plan coming into this game is because, you know, that Tennessee team, really everyone circled that and it's like, oh man, Derrick Henry is about to go off. They sell out to stop Derrick Henry. <laughs> and then Ryan Tannehill throws for 333 yards, which Jeez. he just doesn't do at all this season. Right. I mean, this is the team that, like, when Malik was back there, right? I mean, they were completing, like, five passes a game, right? And they just decided, oh, yeah, let's just air it out against this team. And even guys like Jair had a pretty terrible game in that Tennessee game. Um, and, again, you know, weather impact that game, too. Like, that, yeah. that was supposed to be snowy. Lambeau helps us out. Let's slow down the game. And they just didn't get any of that. So I'm – legitimately frightened about what AJ Brown and Devonta Smith can do mm. specifically AJ Brown yeah. because safety the Darnell should Savage. have traded for, and I can't believe they did. Dude, that's the <laughs> one trade. So everyone brings up all of these wide receiver options, right? Like everyone's pissed at the trade deadline and they're like, I can't believe you didn't make a move. And I'm like, I can't believe they offered a first round pick for DJ Moore. That's mm. absurd. I can't believe they almost traded, you know, a top, I think they hold the 11th overall pick right now. Trading the 11th overall pick for DJ Moore's contract? Are you kidding Mm -hmm. me? And then people are mad. Oh, man, they they couldn't close the deal on Chase Claypool. They offered a second-round pick. They offered a second-round pick. And then you look at these other options, and it's like teams are just overspending on some of these wide receivers. I don't, like, I don't get it. The one move I would have made would have been A.J. Brown. That's the one that hurt on draft day. And it was like, dang, he was available for that. And you get prime Anquan Bolden, who's probably a little bit faster. Like, that's who A.J. Brown is. And now A.J. Brown's going to go against Darnell Savage. You can't make a tackle across the middle. Can't make an open field tackle. You might embarrass them. Like, he could take slants for touchdowns against this team, even though they're trying to sell out to, uh, you know, stop the passing game. At, at a certain point, all these zone coverages do basically turn into man coverage at certain depths, right? And the, the problem is they're just not secure tacklers this year. Uh, the Eagles are also not very good at tackling. So that's uh, something <laughs> to watch um, for the Packers offense. But yeah, AJ Brown hasn't really been like himself the past two games. He only had one catch for seven yards on the loss on Monday night football. And he, he tweaked his ankle early on. He kept getting some targets, but like just didn't look at a sink. Didn't look right. Uh, he did almost make a deep catch that like went through his hands multiple times and then got intercepted. Um, by Derek Forrest. That was one of the commander's uh, takeaways in that game. So kind of a weird play. And then against the Colts, who's a bit better, did have a fumble, though, in the middle of the field. And he hadn't fumbled since 2020. He's a guy who's going to make plays after the catch. Like, you'll live with that. It's just going to happen. You know, he's going to fumble at some point, and he's going to continue to generate yards after the catch. So uh, I can't crush him for that. But uh, really need the Eagles really need him to, to get back to, like, dominant A.J. Brown. Because with Dallas got her out, like, that's a huge deal. Like Goddard is just such, he's one of the league's most like efficient players. He's, he was targeted something like 50 times or 60 times, 50 receptions this year. Like That's crazy. Like 10 times the ball went his way and wasn't a catch. Um, he, he, and he's just the automatic first down. A guy might be the one of the, if not the best, like easily like top two, top three uh, tight ends on his screens. 
Um, just such a money play for the Eagles to not have that as huge. And they really need someone to pick up the slack there. Uh, the Eagles last, uh, I believe, 17 offensive drives. They only have three touchdowns. Offenses have been out of sync dating back to that commander's game. They really need AJ Brown to step up. Yeah. And the thing with Goddard too, is the thing I've always really appreciated about him. And even when they had him and Ertz there, um, he's like a true why, like he can do some of yeah. the blocking stuff that, Oh yeah. Y- you he's know, a good a lo- blocker. Yeah. A lot, a lot of these tight ends, like they're functionally wide receivers, like Darren Waller. He's a wide receiver. Travis Kelsey. He's a wide receiver. Zach Ertz. Yeah. Zach Ertz. He's a wide receiver, but like, Goddard is one of those guys who can put his hand in the dirt and still contribute in the passing game. And that's, mm-hmm. that's such a different element than what a lot of these guys can contribute, especially a guy who can catch the ball as well as him. You talked about, you know, the slump, the last two games, what is up with that? So I, I haven't watched the last two Eagles games, um, but you know, I, or I, I watched the Washington game. I didn't watch the Colts game. You know, obviously people are looking at it now and, they have a negative point differential last two games. They split mm-hmm. one and one. They barely snuck by the Jeff Saturday Colts. What what happened to this team that, you know, before then looked like they were just going to steamroll the entire NFC? So, like, for the first, I would say, two and a half quarters against the Commanders, defense was the biggest problem. They just kept allowing Washington to go on these super long, like, 18-play scoring drives, or they'd hold the ball for, like, like nine minutes. It's like... They're just the offense isn't getting opportunities. The defense yeah. cannot get off the field, and it was weird because there was a lot of you know consternation about the Eagles' run defense, which actually wasn't like that bad in the sense that the longest run they allowed was 11 yards, uh, and the Commanders were averaging something like 3.1 yards per carry. But the problem is it was like a consistent three versus like you know negative plays. They weren't having right. negative plays in the rushing game, so they kept getting a third and manageable. It was like their average down and distance on, on third down or average distance, I should say, on third down was like four yards or something. They kept getting to third and manageable, third and manageable, and then they kept converting. And obviously, that's not really like sustainable over you know longer sample size. But in this game, it was, and the offense just didn't have enough opportunities. And the few ones they did, they had a couple three and outs in key spots. So it was just kind of tough. But you want to get your offense more touches than that. And I just think that was a bad game plan by Jonathan Gannon. Um, Taylor Heineke had success like that when the commanders – at the time, the Washington football team still played the Eagles late last year. And Heineke is a guy whose arm isn't great. Like, make him make him take shots down the field. Don't just give him everything, like, underneath. He, yeah. he can do that. That's what Green Bay did, and they they forced him to make that touchdown to, to uh, Terry over uh, Jair Alexander. And it was – that was the gut punch. That was the gut punch because it's like, dang, you live with that because we yeah, know right, he exactly. can't make that throw, yeah. like, consistently. Yes. Yeah. Take, I'd rather take my chances with that. And sure enough, they did adjust later in the game and Heineke took a deep shot and was woefully underthrown and picked off by Chauncey Gardner Johnson. So, you know, they adjusted, but at that point, um, the offense was putting some promising drives together. It looked like they might be able to get back into it, but somehow a deep shot to AJ Brown where the ball in his hands gets turned into an interception, kind of just a 50, 50 ball that didn't go his way. Um, some bad luck there. Uh, Eagles were due for turnover regression, but, also, at the same time, Quez Watkins catches a play where if he doesn't unnecessarily kind of fall to the ground, it's probably a touchdown. And even so, he fumbles after making the catch. Washington gets the ball. Um, the Dallas Goddard face mask penalty, which was not called somehow, even though the back judge is like staring straight at him. And and the play is clearly caused by the fumble. Or the, the, the fumble is clearly caused by the face mask, too. It wasn't like that just would have negated uh, bad ball security by him. It's like he's getting right. his head ripped off. So, yeah, he's losing <laughs> control of the ball. Um, so, you know, some of that was just bad luck and due for regression. Tur- going to the commander's game, though, or sorry, the Colts game, defense played a lot better after that first drive. They allowed just 16 points total the whole game. And three of those were off of like turnovers that started in, uh, you know, Eagles territory and the Eagles held them to field goals in both of those. So defense did more than did its job. Offense, I, I, I can't get over how some of so many bizarre decisions in terms of play calling, personnel usage, game management by Nick Sirianni and Shane Steichen, the head coach and offensive coordinator, who I feel like have been so good for most of this year. I don't know if it was like they were kind of in their heads a bit or whatever with the whole Frank Reich revenge factor of it all and kind of like thinking too hard and trying too hard and pressing. But whatever it was, like that was not in character with who they've been for most of the season. 
Uh, so I, I was just so confused by, and for example, just to give you something like, uh, what I mean here is they had a series, the end of the second quarter where it's like important, important situation. Let's get some points. And they've been so good at these end of, uh, first half situations this year. They run three straight plays, running plays against the Colts defense that ranks second in opponent yards per rushing attempt. And AJ Brown's on the field. They're running 13 personnel. With no Goddard. <laughs> so there's three backup tight ends on the field. Like, really? Oh, like, you don't yikes. want that A.J. Brown on the field on this play? Three straight plays? So just, like, straight-up dumb stuff sometimes. How how are they using those tight ends? Because, so one thing I just wanted to point out, um, Green Bay, you were talking about penetration plays on the opposite side. You were talking about the Eagles weren't able to get penetration plays, get off the field. Green Bay literally cannot get it. They can't buy a TFL. Mm. They can't buy a TFL in the run game. It's crazy the defensive linemen they they're rolling out opposite of or, or alongside Kenny Clark right now. Um, space it out. I was, I had a, another point. What were you just talking about? I well, we're talking about the. Um, that's a good question. What was I talking about? <laughs> uh, <laughs> or, uh, if I can remember. Uh, we oh, tight ends. About, tight ends. Yeah, tight ends. Sorry. Yeah. So yeah, are yeah. are you guys still? Because I know, you know, Philadelphia. That was a team that I talked about last year. Um, you know, obviously they they didn't play against each other, but um, the Eagles was a team that I talked about as a team that is a weird fit offensively for a Green Bay's defense because mm. you were you know that team had used multiple tight ends you know kind of throughout the year. If you get into two tight end looks, that's how you get the funky Preston Smith is lined up on a slot receiver stuff that yeah. that makes Packers fans pull their hair out. So with Goddard out. Are, is is the team still playing with two tight ends? I mean, they were just, they were playing with three tight ends for, right. for too much in the first half. Uh, that kind of waned, I believe, in the second half. I saw some numbers on that um, where they, I think, maybe ran exclusively eleven in the second half. So uh, I think they realized that it was not really working out for them, and they need to get their best players on the field. So maybe they adjusted to that. Um, but I, I definitely don't think they're going to like go away from it entirely. They like to run out of 12 personnel and 13 personnel at times. So it's it's definitely still a factor. So we're getting a screenshot of Preston Smith lined up on uh, Devonta Smith at some point in this game. Oh, that, oh, that'll no. be fun. That'll be fun. Um, flipping to the other side, obviously, so Green Bay's offense, you know, they're going to be down Dobbs, so that's going to hurt them a little bit. Sammy Watkins is slowly just like – Dropping that sinking down the depth chart, um, mm. both the physical depth chart and also in terms of the snap counts. Christian Watson getting more playing time means Sammy Watkins is going to end up dropping out. As far as the run game is concerned, you know, they, they've been doing really well this year. Aaron Jones, I think, is probably their only pro bowler, maybe Bakhtiari. We'll see if he plays enough to get that kind of recognition. That's my only yeah. question there is because he's only played three full games. Mm. Um, their offensive line hasn't been as good as expected. You know, you think Bakhtiari Jenkins, you spent a second round pick on Josh Myers. John Runyon is an underrated player. Josh Nyman is a guy who would have a job anywhere in the league as a swing tackle, but collectively as a unit, they haven't played super great. Josh Myers particularly has struggled with some of these like really good interior defensive linemen that he's lined up against, especially the big guys, the big guys who can get penetration. And I know, you know, Fletcher isn't exactly, you know, who he used to be, but <laughs> no. I, I, I still am worried about, you see Linval Joseph, Fletcher Cox, Javon Hargrave, and, and Dominican Sue on the depth chart. Makes me worried because the one thing the Packers <laughs> could do right now is run the ball. I mean, it seems like Aaron Rodgers, based off of what he said on McAfee on Tuesday, they asked him, you know, uh, are you a glove guy? You know, talking about his thumb injury. And he was like, no, I don't play, you know, I don't play with gloves, anything like that. Then they asked him, are you a broken thumb guy? And he's like, well, you know, I've broken my finger this time, this time, this time, and this time, and I've played through it. And it's like, okay. So he has a broken thumb. He just doesn't want to come out and say he has a broken thumb. He doesn't want to be benched. He wants to play through this thing, and that is whatever it is. But, you know, it seemed to impact the ball, you know, in that Tennessee game and the weather. And this is going to be a night game in Philadelphia. I'm sure it's going to be cold. Um, So the one thing that they can do is run the ball. And all those guys on the interior worry me. Is, is there any hope? Um, I think there's hope for the Packers and Fletcher Cox is on the field, believe it or not. Uh, oh. I've been, I, I mean, I've been, like, I'm not saying Cox is totally washed. I still think he has some moments, but, man, you look at his last seven games, he's like one sack. No, sorry, I think zero sacks, 
one tackle for loss and two quarterback hits last seven games. This is a guy making top 10 interior defensive line money. Like this is not yeah. what you want to see. Now, part of that's he's, he's playing more snaps than he really should be at this point in his career. Um, I do think if you could get his number down, then maybe he can be more of himself. Um, but that's the thing. <laughs> you have to reduce his role. Uh, the guy to fear though um, is not Cox. I think he's kind of getting pushed around Hard out grave. there. Is David Hargrave. Yeah, absolutely. He's Six good. It's very good. Six sacks. And he's a guy too, who at least in, in Philly, like he's been really hot or kind of like really cold in his production. You want to talk about like, which I don't know if I fully believe in sacks come in bunches. They do for him. Like he, and six in his last seven games also has uh, five TFLs. Like he is a problem. Did not have a sack in the Colts game, but it was like clearly like disruptive in there and generating pressure. Um, so he is a guy to watch out for, for sure. And Linval Joseph had a really big game. Like he he played really well <laughs> against the Colts. And you look at Jonathan Gann, what he was able to, sorry, Jonathan Taylor, what he was able to do. Um, he had some success on that first drive, seven carries for 49 yards touchdown. After that, 15 for 35. Like the Eagles found an answer to stop the run uh, after that first drive. And I think Joseph was part of that. Sue looks pretty good too. And the crazy thing is those guys joined the team late last week, so they haven't really yeah. had like any time to practice with the Eagles. Um, you know, that might help them this week, getting actually some more time to do that. I still think they look pretty good. Uh, so, yeah, it's definitely a legit unit. And then Milton Williams, too, who uh, mm-hmm. I believe third year, second second year player now, um, he had some good reps, too, in this rotation. And that's part of the thing. Like, it's not just about this one good guy. It's about that they have five players now that they can trust to play and rotate those they guys got so eight much. defensive linemen. Eight legit defensive linemen. The Packers have like three guys who can play on the line of scrimmage right now on their entire team. It is tough. It's I'm pulling my hair every week. Um, You know, obviously the DBs are pretty good too. Slay Mm -hmm. and Bradbury, you know, one of the best cornerback pairings in the league. CJ Chauncey Gardner Johnson making a big impact there at safety. NFL interception leader. Yeah. And then the, the one thing though, that I'm looking at the depth chart and I'm like, they could probably take advantage of these guys mm. is the linebacker unit. Is that right? I know you were talking about, you know, they're, they're missing tackles and stuff like that. I know TJ Edwards was a guy that for whatever reason, like I I think it's like pro football focus and stuff was super high on him. Mm-hmm. And I just never, yeah. I, it, to me, it doesn't translate to the film to me. It doesn't, but maybe I'm wrong there. I think he's a very fundamentally sound player is the thing. I think that's probably why he would grade out well by them too. Cause like he's, he's, you know, he's doing the right thing. He's like being in the right spot and everything. And I do think he has played, he's had his best season. Um, just isn't a guy who's very athletic. So he's not going to pop in that way. Uh, had a good game against the Colts had two big tackles for loss uh, or losses where uh, pass out to the flat one-on-one TJ Edwards sniffs it out, gets right there, like big tackles for loss too, not just like, you know, a two yard loss, but like a five, six yard loss. Um, so, but to your point, if you're going to attack anything, yeah, I think that's it. Uh, the linebackers, you know, certainly uh, TJ Edwards had a really bad game against the Cardinals. They were kind of abusing him over the middle there. Um, so he can be a weak point. I would say from a defensive standpoint as a whole, I know this is kind of like vague or general, if I'm not mistaken, still, uh, the Eagles are like the, the league's worst team by pro football focuses tackling grade. And I'm not just going off of that. Like the eye test very much matches that. They are not good at tackling teams. So uh, if I'm the Packers, I know it sounds simple, but like make the Eagles tackle because they are not good at doing that. I think that's probably going to be their plan for this game. I mean, even even the way LaFleur and Rodgers have talked about this team, it seems like they're they're worried about the corners, right? Mm. And if you're worried about the corners, you're going to have to throw over the middle. You're going to have to run the ball. We'll see. We'll see if they can do that enough to keep up pace with this Eagles team. Um, predictions time. Mm-hmm. It's a seven-point line. It opened up at six and a half. It's moved to seven already. Do you think the Eagles win by more than a touchdown? So I have some numbers here for you. Uh, I tweeted some of these out. Um, the Packers on the road this year. Have not been good. Their one win, uh, if as a Packers fans don't already know, is over the Bucks. The two point win, uh, fourteen to twelve. They're averaging just thirteen point six points on the road, and it's bad. To, yeah, it's bad, especially compared to the home splits, twenty point seven. Like that's a big difference. Yeah, and, and even highest, then, that's not good. Twenty point seven no. is still not good. <laughs> yeah, not good, but like that that there's such a difference. A touchdown. Kinda, yeah, it makes me think like there's 
maybe something to that like that's not totally just like uh you know noise uh, and their high on the road this year is 21 points eagles low this year at home is 21 points that came to the commanders in the loss and they're averaging 27 at home whereas the packers are only averaging 13.6 on the road so you know it's not it doesn't work this simple but you know like i think if you're taking the Packers to win this game, you're saying they're going to have their best road performance while the Eagles have their worst home performance, uh, which I don't think is the likeliest of outcomes for either team. Um, I know the offense is in a bad way, um, but I do think they have a chance to cover. And I think it's going to be close. I don't know if it's going to be double digits, but like eight or nine, I think, I think they can do it. I think they, I think they win the game for sure. The question is if they cover and I'll take them to cover. I agree. Um, for reference, Packers fans, I, I messed around on 538, figuring out, like, who do the Packers need to root for this weekend, all that stuff, um, in terms of, like, what actually helps them in terms of their playoff odds. What's interesting is, so if they win this game, I believe it's a 16% chance that they end up making the playoffs. Right now, they're sitting at about 6 If they lose, it drops down to 3%. But all of that is in isolation. That doesn't include the results of the other, you know, week 12 games, it can get up to, I, I believe it was like 28%, you wow. know, with a win and some of the things break, right. Really what you want to do is root against any of the teams that are in the race for the six seed and the seven seed. That that's the easiest way. Like you, when it's Cowboys giants, you want to root for the Cowboys because they're probably going to get mm-hmm. the five seed. The giants are probably going to get the six or seven, right? Like that's how you want to end up doing that. Um, it can break so bad though, that they can drop down to 1%. Oh. after this game so i mean massive game for the packers definitely if you're looking at it from a perspective of like which team needs it it's green bay they're coming off an extra rest but it's just you look at the horses man and the the biggest thing i still think in terms of swinging this season it's like Rashawn gary going down was detrimental to the team because they could get negative plays in the passing game they were sacking quarterbacks between gary Kenny Clark and Preston Smith, they were doing a pretty good job of getting after quarterbacks. The problem is now when it's, you know, uh, Enic Barre out there or um, Jonathan Garvin, you know, rushing the passer instead of these could be made up names. I don't know these people. Oh, you don't even know Ladarius Hamilton yet. There's a whole cast of characters that you, you aren't aware of that's playing for this Packers team. But those are the guys who are lining up getting after the quarterback and, the Packers are putting five guys down to the line of scrimmage to get one-on-ones and they're just not winning one-on-ones. And that's how you get, you know, Ryan Tannehill throwing against six guys in coverage instead of seven. And he's going for 333 yards in the snow at Lambeau at night. Right. So I don't have much faith in the Packers being able to pull this one off, but I'm hoping they can figure it out. The other thing too, that will just always give me nightmares. I've never seen one. The Packers have been just, for long stretches of my life, bad against stopping the run, mm. but particularly stopping against the quarterback run. I mean, when we saw Kaepernick go for like 200 yards or whatever it was in the playoff game, like Don Capers didn't have answers for these mobile quarterbacks <laughs> for years. And then you get into the Petten era and it's like Kyle Shanahan's running trap on you and just like destroying your hopes and dreams. I, and now we have this version of, of the uh, Joe Barry defense that just, can't stop the run at all. Can't can't buy a TFL. I just hope they don't get ran off the field. I'm mm-hmm. at that point. Like, stop the run. Show some fight. That's it. That's where I'm at this year. All right. Tell t- tell people where they can find you at. Uh, you can find me on the SB Nation NFL show, probably most importantly. Uh, so you know, rate, review, subscribe to there, where you can also hear Justice. Of course, we're talking not just Eagles and Packers, but everything NFL. Um, Justice just promoted the uh, the Wednesday show earlier with the gauntlet, which I think is really fun. I want to get in on the gauntlet sometime. Um, Hop on, replace the... KP. <laughs> yeah, okay. I'll put just, in a good word for you. Put in, a, put in a good thank you. Uh, and then we, you know, we did the uh, uh, look ahead actually today. Um, so that's coming out on Friday. Obviously, for the Eagle stuff, bleedinggreennation.com, at Brandon Gouton on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, I don't have TikTok or anything. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm too old for that, I feel like. But, uh, if I did, you should. I mean, I, I actually do have one, but I don't use it. If you want to follow me on there to see nothing, sure, you can do that too. I have a TikTok. It's exclusively used for me to send like funny videos or pets to my girlfriend. Right. That's it. Right. That's all I use it for. 
And that's all I'm going to do. Yeah. If they make me do a TikTok, I won't even know where to start. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com slash Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com slash flagship. This is a paid advertisement.